Good morning. It's May 20th. Is it Thursday? No, it's Friday. <laughs> oh, I'm just watching a bead that's in my... Oh, better look, better look. Excuse me, I'm going to close the door so the bee can get back outside. It is going to, uh, we're taking a big temperature drop today for the next several days, so we're in that process right now, so it's getting getting kind of uh, gray outside and um, windy, and we should see the temperature drop and have rain and be back to where we were probably a week or so ago. So once again, everything changes all the time. Today I want to read more from Becoming Your Own Therapist. And I'm really enjoying this book. I hope you are too. Um, it just seems to get better and better. So the chapter we're on now, we got into yesterday, is into chapter three, A Glimpse of Buddhist Psychology. In the, just the last little paragraph, he was saying, so examining your own feelings in this way has nothing to do with belief, has it? This is not some eastern Himalayan mountain thing. This is you. This is your thing. You can't refute what I'm saying by claiming I have no feelings. It's so simple, isn't it? So this is when he uh, is talking to us about whatever feelings arise in our daily lives, they're either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. They disturb us emotionally, and there's no balance or equanimity in our minds. That's because we go from pleasant to unpleasant, back to kind of confused, neutral. Um, and that agitation, that's stress in our bodies. So that's, uh, this is his beautiful definition of how to work with feelings and how to understand the difference between feelings and then emotions. But these feelings that go swing so quickly and so strongly uh, just create a sense of agitation that's not doesn't feel good. Whether they're good or bad, they're swinging all over the place. So let's continue. Furthermore, many of our negative actions are reactions to feeling. See for yourself. When you feel pleasant as a result of contact with people or other sense objects, analyze exactly how you feel, why you feel pleasant. The pleasant feeling is not in the external object, is it? It's in your mind. I'm sure we can all agree that the pleasant feeling is not outside of you. So why do you feel that way? If you experiment like this, you will discover that happiness and joy, discomfort and unhappiness, and neutral feelings are all within you. You will find that you yourself are mainly responsible for the feelings you experience and that you cannot blame others for the way you feel. He makes me miserable. She makes me miserable. That stuff makes me miserable. 
You cannot blame society for your problems, although that's what we always do, isn't it? It's not realistic. Once you realize the true evolution of your mental problems, you'll never blame any other living being for how you feel. That realization is the beginning of good communication with and respect for others. Normally, we're unconscious. We act unconsciously and automatically disrespect and hurt others. We don't care. We just do it. That's all. Many people, even some psychologists, seem to think that you can stop the emotion of craving slash desire. So it's another, he's, he's uh, connecting the words craving and desire again with that dash. So craving desire. Many people, even some psychologists, seem to think that you can stop the emotion of craving desire by feeding it with some object or other. If you're suffering because your husband or wife has left you, getting another one will solve your problem. That's impossible. Without understanding the characteristic nature of your feelings of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, you will never discover the nature of your mental attitudes. And without discovering that, you can never put an end to your emotional problems. For instance, Buddhism, for instance, Buddhism says you should feel compassion and love for all living beings. How can you possibly feel even equanimity for all beings while the ignorant dualistic mind is functioning so strongly, strongly within you? You can't because emotionally you are too extreme. When you feel happy because a pleasant feeling has arisen through contact with a particular object, you grossly exaggerate what you consider to be the good qualities of that object, inflating your emotions as much as you possibly can. But you know that your mind can't stay up like that. It's impermanent, transitory, so of course you soon crash back down. Then, automatically, your unbalanced mind gets depressed. You have to understand exactly how much energy you expend in pursuit of or in flight from mental feelings. We are always too extreme. We have to find the, mental, the middle way. If you look a little deeper, you will also find that feelings are responsible for all the conflict in the world from two small children fighting over a piece of candy to two huge nations fighting over their very existence. What are they fighting for? For pleasant feelings. Even children too young to speak will fight because they want to feel happy. Through meditation, you can easily see the truth of all this. Meditation reveals everything that's in your mind all your garbage, all your positivity, everything can be seen through meditation. But don't think that meditation means just sitting on the floor in the lotus position doing nothing. Being conscious, aware of everything that you do, walking, eating, drinking, talking, is meditation. 
the sooner you realize this, the quicker will you realize that you yourself are responsible for your actions, that you yourself are responsible for the happy feelings you want and the unhappy feelings you don't, and that nobody else controls you. When a pleasant feeling arises, and then, as, its nature, as is its nature, subsides, causing you to feel frustrated because you want it again, that's not created by God, Krishna, Buddha, or any other outside entity. Your own actions are responsible. Isn't that easy to see? The weak mind thinks, oh, he made me sick. She makes me feel horrible. That's the weak mind at work, always trying to blame somebody or something else. Actually, I think that examining your everyday life experience, experiences to see how your physical and mental feelings arise is a wonderful thing to do. You're learning all the time. There's no time that you're not learning. In that way, through the application of your own knowledge wisdom, you will discover that the realization of everlasting peace and joy is within you. Unfortunately, the weak mind doesn't possess much knowledge. With, uh, he's using knowledge wisdom as his hyphenated word. Unfortunately, the weak mind doesn't possess much knowledge wisdom energy. You have, no, you have to nurture that energy within your own mind. Why does Mahayana Buddhism teach us to develop a feeling of equanimity for all sentient beings? And uh, Theravada Buddhism does the same thing. So these are exactly the same teachings we all follow. We often choose just one small thing, one small atom, one single living being, thinking... This is the one for me. This is the best. Thus, we create extremes of value. We grossly exaggerate the value of the one we like and engender disdain for all the rest. This is not good for you, for your mental peace. Instead, you should examine your behavior. Why am I doing this? My unrealistic, egocentric mind is polluting my consciousness. Then, by meditating on equanimity, all sentient beings are exactly the same in wanting happiness and not desiring suffering. I want to say that again. Then, by meditating on equanimity, that all sentient beings are exactly the same in wanting happiness and not desiring suffering. You can learn to eliminate the extremes of tremendous attachment to one and tremendous aversion to the other. In this way, you can easily keep your mind balanced and healthy. Many people have had this experience. Therefore, Lord Buddha's psychology can be of great help when you're trying to deal with the frustrations that disturb your daily life. Remember that when pleasant feelings arise, desire, craving, and attachment follow in their wake. 
When unpleasant feelings arise, aversion and hatred appear. And when you feel neutral, ignorance, blindness to reality occupies your mind. If through these teachings you can learn the reality of how your feelings arise and how you react to them, your life will be much improved and you will experience much happiness, peace, and joy. Are there any questions? So, it's a beautiful chapter. He really talks about those feelings that sometimes we kind of do a little bit with in meditation, you know, just spend a few minutes being aware of pleasant, unpleasant. But being aware of these feelings is something we can be doing all day long. And you can stop if you're if you need to take a minute, if you need if something's feeling uh, difficult for you or painful or you're feeling uh, a mood is changing. Stop and see what your feet, the feelings are that you're noticing in your body. The pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And uh, just watch those. If you have time, sit and watch how quickly they can change. So I love his definitions. I'd like to uh, read that last paragraph again. Therefore, Lord Buddha's psychology can be of great help when you're trying to deal with the frustrations that disturb your daily life. Remember that when pleasant feelings arise, desire, craving, and attachment follow in their wake. When unpleasant feelings arise, aversion and hatred appear. And when you feel neutral, ignorance, blindness to reality, occupies your mind. If through these teachings you can learn the reality of how your feelings arise and how you react to them, your life will be much improved and you'll experience much happiness, peace, and joy. Then he moves into the Q&A and I think Very interesting questions. They're not quite on the... They're really good. I'd like to read these questions because there are some very good questions about uh, Nibbana and Karma. Here's, Here's one I'll read, just one, before we start to sit because there are a lot for this. Okay. But this one is about this... Uh, teaching. You spoke a lot about pleasure and happiness, and I'm trying to get clear in my mind the distinction between the two. Are they the same? Can one become attached to pleasure, but not to happiness? And his answer, they're the same thing, and we get attached to both. What we should aim for is the experience of pleasure without attachment. We should enjoy our feelings of happiness while understanding the nature of the subject, our mind, the object, and our feelings. Someone who has reached Nibbana is able to do that. So we should enjoy feelings of happiness 
while understanding the nature of the subject, our mind, the object, and our feelings. Someone who has reached Nibbana is able to do that. So, why don't we stop? And it's Friday. A lot of questions at the end of this chapter. So I'll look and see which ones seem um, I'm going to read one more because it really fits in with what he's talking about. Why do we have the oppor- why do we have the opportunity to be attached? And his answer, because we're hallucinating. We're not seeing the reality of either the subject or the object. When you understand the nature of an object of attachment, the subjective mind of attachment automatically disappears. It's the foggy mind, the mind that's attracted to an object and paints a distorted projection onto it. That makes, you, that makes you suffer. That's all. It's really quite simple. Okay, just that little paragraph is enough to chew on, right? Because why do we have the opportunity to be attached? Because we're hallucinating. Okay. So this ends part two. The next part is called Make Your Mind an Ocean. Aspects of Buddhist Psychology. So, these, uh, I think the questions and answers are worthy of just being a book by themselves because they're really covering a lot. Okay. So why don't we sit now and... uh, When we're sitting and just being quiet, you can use it as the time to let your mind rest, let your mind settle. You can uh, also use the time to be looking at feelings that may be arising within you. You may be, uh, you may see that as your mind begins to stabilize and to, to calm, that you can see, you can feel those feelings more accurately and better and something that might just have felt like agitation can become clear to you. So um, you can do that. But it's okay to just let your mind settle. And a teacher I was uh, listening to yesterday from IMC was talking about uh, you can, if you've been busy and you're trying to kind of get to a, a quieter place in your mind or get to a more uh, settled place in your mind, that you can just even think of rest, meditation, as a kind of rest. And usually we talk about meditation as being awake, but I know his talking about rest is talking to people who are wanting to start a class or meditation, and their minds are kind of all over the place. Because maybe you've just gone, come from one situation to sit down to have this class, and uh, 
you may have been busy all day and becoming just kind of, uh, maybe I can relax in this class. And so he talks about it, he talked about it during the beginning meditation is to allow yourself to feel that this is rest. So let your meditation be what you need it to be today. So let your eyes close if you, if you can. If you can't close your eyes, you can let them kind of avert them downward so your vision isn't a, a big distraction. And let your awareness come to the breath. And we're being with the breath. The breath is our anchor. But it's a light, it's a light focus. We can also be aware of whatever our senses are bringing in other than through our eyes, because we've cut some of that out intentionally. Just be aware of sounds, be aware of smells, taste, and be aware of contact on your skin, feel your body pressing into your the chair, or wherever you are, if you're on the floor. Feel your hands in your lap and as they make contact with each other or your upper legs. Be aware if there's a breeze or if your skin is feeling warm, cool, pleasant, unpleasant. And be aware of your thoughts. Our mind is one of our senses in these teachings. And our mind creates thoughts. But I want you to be aware of the thoughts without feeding them to keep them going and to get you going down a rabbit hole. Just be aware of the thoughts. Notice how they arise on their own. And if we begin to pay attention to them and get caught up in them, then we've become distracted by a story we've decided to create. So instead, we see the thoughts, we recognize them, but then we just let them go. They will go away on their own when they realize we're not feeding them. Let your body and your mind relax, rest.
and lightly to stay with each breath in and each breath out. Be aware, be awake. And just keep letting go of thoughts. Don't push them down, just let them rise up and pass away.
as we come to the end of our time together, we can send merit May everything we do and say and think be done not only for our own benefit, but the benefit of all sentient beings, no matter how small, how unimportant. Everything we do and say and think can be done in the name of all of these living beings. And may everyone, may all of you have a beautiful day and have uh, have some time to practice this weekend and stay in touch with your feelings at that very elemental level and see if you can notice when the agitation of going from one feeling to another. When that, see if you can notice when that agitation uh, settles down and you don't feel it. See how good it feels. It might be when you're meditating or it might be in the course of a day. Maybe you can just notice it and uh, be aware of it. And that probably will make it better. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you Sunday.